connection is the energy that exists between two people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. Welcome to the Listen for Life podcast with Genevieve Richardson. Genevieve is a speech-language pathologist rehabilitating adults with communication challenges after a stroke or due to a neurological impairment. Living with aphasia is hard. Caregiving is hard. You are not alone. Get equipped with knowledge from experts in the field and professionals you need to know. We'll hear stories and experiences from others who are navigating life with aphasia. So. Put your earphones in and take a walk outside. This isn't just a podcast. This is a community, a resource, and a support system. We're in this together. Do life. This is the first of five episodes about life after stroke. Today's episode is how to reconnect with a loved one after stroke. Starting next week, we'll talk about how to build resilience how to build a life you love, how to embrace your new reality, and strengthening your marriage. Enduring stroke can be a very isolating event. Not only does it physically limit a person's ability to communicate, but it also can psychologically damage a person's self-esteem. You lose your identity. As a result, many stroke survivors feel cut off from the world and even more so from their loved ones. If you have a loved one who has suffered a stroke, it is important to find ways to reconnect with them. It may seem daunting at first, but it's very important. Sometimes a stroke patient's recovery success will correlate directly to the support and encouragement they receive from loved ones. While it may feel like connection is the hardest or most vulnerable thing to give to your person after a stroke, it's actually the thing they need the most. The good news is connection fostered over time breeds new levels of relational equity and intimacy, and you can get there. Here are four tips. Tip one, speak slowly and clearly. Many times, people who have suffered a stroke have difficulty understanding speech, so it's important to enunciate your words clearly and speak at a slower than normal pace. It's also important to speak face-to-face with your loved one, making sure that you're both giving each other your most focused attention. This will help to minimize communication misunderstandings that can occur. It's also important to think about how your loved one is learning to process new information. Clarity is helpful in this realm. Make sure to introduce the topic you want to discuss and start off slowly. Yes or no questions are an easy segue into feeling safe and communicating with each other. Once some of the groundwork is laid, you can start to sum up what you've discussed or agreed on and then move forward from there. Just the smallest amount of slowdown is just enough to help your person with aphasia understand. Today, 
it was 78 degrees, it was humid, it was muggy, but yet it was a lovely and sunny day. So the other thing I did there was I added in a little bit of pausing. Pauses, slowing down just a little bit can really help to clarify and give your person just that little extra time to process. Let's move on to tip number two. Take advantage of every form of communication. When we think about reconnecting with a loved one, our minds can automatically assume that verbal communication is the only way to create connection. However, the opposite is true. Especially if your loved one suffers from aphasia, which can impair reading, writing, speaking, and listening, it's important to consider all forms of communication possible to reestablish connection. With this in mind, be cognizant of your facial expressions and gestures. More than 70% of communication is nonverbal. So even if your tone is measured and patient, but your body language reads differently, there's a high chance your person will catch onto the underlying message of frustration in your communication and shut down. Another form of communication that is often forgotten is active listening. Engaging active listening with stroke survivors is incredibly important. Since it may take your loved one more time to process and communicate their thoughts and feelings after their stroke, show you're engaged with active listening. Hang on their words. Stay engaged. Even ask them if it's okay to help them communicate by guessing the word they might want to say. Now this goes on an individual basis. You really need to have that conversation with your person with aphasia whether or not they want you to help them or at what point do they want you to help them. Again, there is no one-size-fits-all for communication techniques. So to continue, active listening can show your loved one that regardless of the rate or medium they communicate with, you still value them deeply and want to understand where they're coming from. Bringing this trust back into your relationship will naturally help you feel more connected to your stroke survivor as you both navigate how to establish parts of your relationship. Tip three, be patient. This is one of those like no duh moments, but when you're in the moment and you're just surviving, you're just getting the next task done and moving forward, it's extremely challenging to be patient. It takes time for people to recover from a stroke, both physically and emotionally. So it's important to be patient with your loved one as they adjust to their new reality. Just because your loved one now communicates differently does not give you grounds to treat them differently. Many times, stroke survivors are hesitant to communicate with loved ones for fear of feeling frustrated, demoralized, or even made to feel like an infant. Be ready to be patient and speak to your loved one like an adult who is worthy of not only discussion, but also decision making. 
By highlighting the dignity in them, you'll automatically begin rebuilding a new relationship as you both adjust to what life after a stroke can look like. Try to avoid interruptions at all costs. Stroke survivors may take longer to process information, so be patient and give them time to respond. I would add to this physical touch when you're having a discussion that's important, something other than just the weather, for example, holding their hand, putting your hand on their shoulder or on their arm can go a long way. Additionally, that helps you to make sure you are in the moment with them communicating and you are giving them your full attention. So tip four, and this is the last of our tips for today, take one day at a time. Those who have survived a stroke and are on a rehabilitation journey will learn quickly that healing is not linear. This means that just because your loved one communicates a concept clearly the day before does not mean that they will necessarily be able to do the same thing today. The mysterious neuroplasticity of the brain takes time and effort to retrain, so don't hold your loved one to an unreachable standard. Instead, remind them that reconnection and communication are lifelong pursuits. Celebrate your small victories and take one day at a time, always hoping that tomorrow they will be stronger. Reconnecting with a loved one after a stroke can be difficult, but it's possible. By speaking slowly and clearly, using facial expressions and gestures, being patient and taking one day at a time, you can begin to rebuild your relationship with your loved one after they have suffered a stroke. Once your connection with your loved one is reestablished, you'll both feel safer, less vulnerable, and more united as a team to take on the challenges lying ahead. So now that you've heard these four tips, how are you doing with connection? I challenge you to reflect for a moment on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the worst at connection and 10 being the best. Where are you right now at this moment? Reflect on the four strategies presented here and select one of them to improve starting immediately. Mindfully practice the strategies selected for two days and then select another one. I'd recommend you pick the strategy you think would be the easiest to implement immediately. Sometimes we just need a win. We don't always have to start with the hardest thing. Let this be easy. As you build success, you will be in a better emotional and mental place to implement a more challenging strategy. If you'd like to read the text of this podcast, you can check it out on the transcript in the show notes. There's also going to be a download link for the show notes, so you can print it out if you find the words here to be helpful. You can do that by going to dolifespeechpathology.com forward slash blog forward slash connection. If you need more personal guidance for building connection, reach out by phone or email. I'll list both the contact information and a link to schedule directly on the calendar 
and you can find that information also in the show notes. I offer complimentary phone calls or Zooms. Let me help you get that connection with your loved one. And last, before you go, I do have a freebie for you to download. I created a guide. It's a very practical guide. I called it Talking Turkey about aphasia inclusion at the holidays. This practical guide is for promoting interaction, community, and connection. In it, you will learn about modeling communication techniques. Some ideas for preparing your guests for successful communication with your loved one with aphasia for when you get together in person or if you're going to FaceTime or Zoom during the holidays. Also in there, acknowledge yourself as the person who knows your loved one with aphasia best. You have some insights and strategies that you can share with others. And then finally, some ideas on how to plan holiday activities. You're going to be super busy. Perhaps you're the one cooking or serving or hosting, whatever the case may be. Let's give you some strategies to make the holidays more inclusive for your person with aphasia. Thanks for listening. Wishing you a wonderful day.